guys, welcome back. We're so glad you guys decided to join us today. I'm Genesee. And I'm Simina. And for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome to Daring Faith, a podcast that is designed to empower the everyday Jesus-loving guys and gals to be bold, to be different, to be set apart, living defined by Christ for a purpose and for such a time as this. So in today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest, Andrew Villian, as we discuss finding a home church. Hey, Andrew. Hi, girls. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, So we've got a lot to cover today, but before we get started, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. My name is Andrew. I'm a youth leader here at Emmanuel Church, and I've been serving here for close to six years. Um, Born and raised in California, and I'm happy to be here today. Awesome. So we have quite a lot to cover today. We're discussing, as you said, Jen, finding a home church, Um, and it's a pretty big topic. We actually relate to it personally. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's just take it back to the beginning and start with the basics. What would you say is the definition of a church? Okay. So the basics, what is a home church or a church in general? Um, a church is, church is a common day place that consists of God's people. It is assembly of believers in Jesus Christ. Um, it's not a phys- physical building per se, um, but it can be a place where... The body of Christ, the people meet together for fellowship, worship, and the ministry of God's people. But mm-hmm. it's not the church itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're thinking about moving to a church, you know, trying to make it your home church, what qualities should you look for? Sure. So this one's going to be a little bit longer. We have a few topics to hit about mm-hmm. qualities to look for um, when you're looking for a home church. Uh, and the best thing that I can do uh, to give you a depiction or an idea of what that looks like would be to look in the book of Acts and see mm-hmm. what the church looked like back then. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to give you a, a preface that there is no perfect church. Mm-hmm. You will never find a church that meets all your needs and all your standards. And if you find that church, um, you're misguided. <laughs> so yeah. not, not one church has all the answers. And unfortunately, I have to tell you that if you do find the perfect church, you probably should not attend it because you'll ruin it. <laughs> So yeah, let's let's just be aware of that. There's no yeah. perfect church. It doesn't matter if it's Emmanuel, Agape, Calvary Chapel, Bethel, wherever it is, every church has their own flaws and their mm-hmm. own problems. Right. Yes. Okay. So Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. And I'll be reading today from the NLT and from the ESV back and forth in our discussion. Okay. okay. Yeah. So Acts 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in the meals, which included the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in home for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So just from that, we have a handful, a mouthful of what a church looks like. And that mm-hmm. was the first church. So that should be our example to follow. Right. So let's, let's break that down real quick, okay? Mm-hmm. The first point from this is fellowship. It says that they met for fellowship. Um, and that's one thing that you should look for when you're looking for a new home church. Um, or looking for a quality of a good church. It's a place where you feel you can connect with other people to fellowship together. Right. Yeah. Right? Relationship is key. If you don't have a relationship with people, then then what's the point of, of trying to do something, right? You don't want to go to church to fill a seat and then go. Right. You want yeah. a place yeah. where you can connect. Um, number two is that they shared meals. Um, so we see right after it says that they, they shared in meals and they prayed together. So for those two points, when you're looking for a church, does the church you're looking for specifically partake in the Lord's Supper, which is a mm-hmm. command of Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. He says, whenever we eat or drink of this, to remember him, to remember the body of Christ, to remember the blood, uh, and to meditate on things that he did for us. So number two, you want to look for a place that shares in the meals of Christ, which is the, the Supper of God. And three, prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, want to, you want to attend a church that not only teaches the Bible, the Bible is great, um, but you also have to be part of a church that encourages and preaches prayer. Yeah. Jesus' biggest connections with the Father was when he left everyone and went on the mount by himself in the middle of the night mm-hmm. to pray. Yeah. Um, next we see that in this, it says that they had a deep sense of awe that came over all of them. 
Um, so the next point you should look for in the quality of a church is deep sense of awe um, or fear of the Lord's name, a respect mm-hmm. for the Lord's name. Yeah. If you go to a church where all they do is joke from stage or um, they don't put an anticipation or uh, an importance on the awe of God, it could be a, a church that you probably shouldn't partake in. Mm-hmm. We, we see all throughout scripture that Jesus' name, the Lord's name, Yahweh, is something that was respected. Um, next, we see that the apostles perform many miraculous signs and wonders. And I know we might not all agree on this topic, and I'm not saying that every church should ex- extensively push for this, but there, be, there should be some sort of expectation of the Holy Spirit to move with power in your church, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you go to a church that just teaches the word or just focuses on prayer or just focuses on songs, you're not getting the full uh, glimpse of what the gospel is. And Paul says this, I'll, I'll quote him from Romans 15, verse 18 and 19. He says, Yeah, I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me bringing the Gentiles to God by my message, which is the gospel, right? Yeah, right. And by the way I worked among them, which is your actions, your deeds, the fruit of the Spirit, work mm-hmm. and deed. Mm-hmm. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good, the good news of Christ. So we see some aspects of the full, the full good news or the full presentation of the good news. Mm-hmm. It's the preaching of the gospel, Number two, it's your actions and the spirit of God working through you. Right. And number three, it's the power of God manifesting among you. And without those uh, three aspects, you don't have a, a complete picture of the good news of Christ. Right. Um, and again, I'm not emphasizing that you should go to a church that just seeks signs and wonders. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So in a church, you should look for a body of church where people are anticipating the move of God and at the same time utilizing their gifts that God has given them to help others, to build people up, to encourage them. We must be part of a church that believes that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to Hebrews 13, verse 8. And that same Jesus who healed people in the streets and fed people and touched people and delivered people from demons... He is the same God who is working in our churches today. And if we don't have an expectation of some sort of him moving like that, um, I would say to to stray from a church that doesn't believe God's power. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Next, you see, do they have a sense of family in the church? Um, We look at this passage and it said they met together and shared everything that they had. So when you're looking for qualities of a church, do you see yourself establishing yourself into a family? Or is it just a gathering? Mm. Are you going there just to fill a seat again to make yourself feel comfortable, drink coffee, get a message and go home? Or do you know that if you have a problem or you need help with something, you have a, a group of people that are standing by you and saying, your bones are my bones, your flesh is my flesh, we are one body, what hurts you hurts me. Yes. When you celebrate, I celebrate. When you cry, I cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's something very important. And I, I think you guys were mentioning that to me earlier today too, how you were looking for that when you're looking for um, for a church, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely <laughs> found that, <clears throat> excuse me, here at Emmanuel Church. Yeah, a, a huge emphasis and a big sense of community and fellowship um, mm-hmm. with brothers mm-hmm. and sisters, which was great. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, you guys hit the nail on the head with that. Um, next is they shared money with those in need. Does your church emphasize helping the less fortunate, the widows, the orphans, missionaries, etc.? Um, and we see this found in James one twenty seven. It says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now, we love churches. We love when things sound good and look good. But if there's only emphasis on pouring our money into a structure mm-hmm. and to making people comfortable, then we're losing the point of, um, of what the gospel teaches. The gospel right. teaches to forsake what you have, to think of people more important than yourself, to physically think of that person just as important as you, um, and to help people who are uh, who are orphans and widows, and specifically those who have given up everything to share the gospel across the world as missionaries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last point that he mentions there, or they mention there, is that new members should be added every day. And 
we look at this example. We see that people were added to the church every day. Um, I know for our culture, Romanian culture, and our background, it's a little tough to see people come to faith every day, right? But this does not mean that we necessarily need to go take members from other churches. That's not right. how we win people for our church. Um, we should celebrate even if one person gives their life to the Lord. And you should mm. be around a church. Maybe you don't see it daily, people coming to Christ, but at least encourages us to share our faith and to draw closer to God and to invite people into a body and into um, relationship with the Lord. Right. So when we first uh, mentioned moving to Emmanuel in our very first episode, we said that we felt like the Lord was calling us for that specific season yeah. to a different church. So, Andrew, do you think that there can be different churches for different seasons? Absolutely. So let's all take it back to the Bible, right? Right. Yes. That should be our basis for everything. Ecclesiastes three one says, for everything there is a season and a time for every activity under the sun, mm-hmm. Right. We get into detail, it says there's a, there's a time for reaping, a time for sowing, a time for speaking, a time for being quiet, time for laughing, time for crying. So that means there probably is a, a time for staying and a time for going, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember being in, in class a few months ago, and my professor taught me something that will always stick with me. And he said this, you always ask God, Holy Spirit, what are you up to and how can I cooperate with what you're doing? Mm-hmm. which is basically you putting yourself in in the Lord's court and, you know, playing on his terms. Whatever God's up to, you just want to know, God, I want to do what you're doing and what you're telling me to do. Um, let me give you an example of seasonal change, okay? Mm-hmm. Most common we find in Genesis 2.24 or in Ephesians 5.31, same verse. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, right? Mm-hmm. So until until he got married... He was probably in the courts of his father and his mother, working in the house, being with his family. And when he decided to get married, the Bible said that he left his father and mother and basically started a new season, right? A new home, a new place, a different a different thing. Yeah. Um, so that's an example of leaving and transitioning from a season. Now, most common, or I think the best example we can look at is, let's look at the story of Joseph, okay? Mm-hmm. To show you different aspects of being in different places at different times for God's purpose. Okay? So in Genesis 41, 46, we learn that Joseph was 30 years old when he was made overseer um, to king of Egypt. Okay? Mm-hmm. Since he was 17, uh, according to Genesis 37, 2, when he was sold into Egypt, that means that he spent anywhere about 13 years total in Potiphar's house and in prison. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we know that he was in prison at least two years. Because in chapter 40, it tells us about the servants of the king whose dreams Joseph interpreted, right? right. The first verse of chapter 41 tells us that two years passed, and after um, that event, before the king had all the dreams that Joseph was called to interpret, right? So Joseph lived in, in Potiphar's house 11 years or less and was in prison two years or more, mm-hmm. okay? So we see that before he got to where he was supposed to be, the highest calling, right, the, the overseer of Egypt... He had to go through, quote-unquote, different churches, if that makes oh, sense. Okay, so let me, yeah. let me put it like this. Joseph was, quote-unquote, in the church of Potiphar's house to learn administration skills. We see in Genesis 39.5 that while he was in Potiphar's home, he learned how to handle, uh, handle property, mm-hmm. how to handle land, livestock, and crops. Right. And it said that he was blessed in everything that he did. And that's a little side note, too. We might not feel like in certain churches or places that God puts us that we're effective mm-hmm. right. or that we're utilized well. But if we look at the story of Joseph, anytime he, mo- he went to jail or Potiphar's house or wherever, it says, and the Lord blessed him with wisdom and blessed all that he did. Yeah. Right. So, quote unquote, he was in the, the church of Potiphar to learn those skills. Then when he goes to jail or prison, we see in Genesis thirty nine twenty two, we can say that Joseph was, quote unquote, the church of prison to learn how to administrate people. It said that while he was in prison, he was given administration over all that dwelled in the prison. So let's see how this ties into the overall picture, right? Mm-hmm. We all have an anticipation of being somewhere that's great, that's magnificent, mm-hmm. like a powerful church, powerful leaders where I can utilize all my gifts, right? Yeah. So when Joseph arrived to be the ruler of Egypt, let's quote unquote say that's his final church or the final calling. 
He was ready for it because he had already been established in administration of both people and livestock Mm -hmm. in those previous quote-unquote churches in order for the bigger picture, which was what? To save millions of lives and to get his family safely delivered there from where the genealogy would continue through his family, the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? If he had not gone, first and foremost, to Potiphar's house or through that jail, he wouldn't have learned the administration skills to handle a country. So what I'm trying to say is this. Many times we might not think, or we might think, I'm in this church and it's not really helping and I'm going nowhere with this, right? But it could be a place where God chooses to edify you, to grow you, to teach you certain skills, and then eventually transfer you somewhere else. You know, we don't have to believe that we have to be in one place forever. Some people, yeah, are like that, but other people know that they're called for seasons to certain places. Yeah, I was listening to a sermon the other day about this different seasons of life and something that stuck out to me was he mentioned don't rush the process of that current season you're in Mm -hmm. and be present. And I never thought of that. Like, instead of thinking, oh my gosh, like, I can't wait to get out of this to move on. Like, there's something so much better. Just focus, God, what are you teaching me during this time? And Mm -hmm. what can I learn? Mm -hmm. And then looking back, you see, wow, if I was there two months earlier, even two weeks earlier, I wouldn't have been ready because of this experience. You know, this happened that shaped me to get to where I am now, you know? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that being said, um, when we want to move churches, we don't always just come up with the idea like, oh, I just want to move a church, you know? So like, what are some signs that a church is like a certain church isn't the place for you anymore? Like, I want to say red flags, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and what, what can, what's, what do you consider before moving and what steps do you take? Okay. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a great question. Um, tying it in with the previous question. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at Paul, for example, the Apostle Paul. When he first got saved, it doesn't say, you know, well, Jesus spoke to him, said, why are you persecuting me? And then he said, I will show you what it means to preach the gospel and, and to suffer for my name. Mm-hmm. Right? So he knew his calling was to go preach the gospel. Yeah. When he got saved, he didn't just go jump into it right away. It says that he went into Arabia for three years, mm-hmm. in Galatians 1. He spent time with the Lord, and then after he was equipped, then he went out. Mm-hmm. So you can even see that as like a seasonal thing. Yeah. So yeah. even when you're looking at, you know, how do I know this place isn't for me anymore? Or if you're considering moving or what steps to take, um, the first thing to ask yourself and to always ask God in a sense is, have I done all that I need to do in this current church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, many times we leave because we're bitter, because we're angry, because someone offended us, because someone said something wrong or gave us the wrong look. Uh, maybe we're tired. Maybe we're bored. Mm-hmm. Um, but a true Christian will engage with the Lord and ask, have I done all that I need to do? And have I fulfilled my God-given purpose, which which you've called me here for? You know what That's I mean? Right. Yes. Um, there's a verse in uh, John 17, verse 4. He says, I brought you glory on here on earth by completing the task you gave me to do. Mm-hmm. So it's being in submission to the Lord. Um, and another question to ask is, if I'm planning to leave, is there someone who can take my spot? Mm. If Am I involved in something? Let's say you're involved in a certain ministry, okay? <laughs> Let's say you're a, a pastor or a leader or whatever you might, might be doing. Um, I don't believe it's right scripturally to just bounce to another place because you want to bounce and to leave that place struggling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think first and foremost, we look at the example of scripture. Paul, before he was martyred for the Lord... He raised disciples like Barnabas and Saul and Titus and Timothy, yeah. and he taught people and instructed in the ways of the Lord so that when he was gone, he knew that the church was in good hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. for us, we have to be very careful before leaving a church. We have to make sure that our spots or what we've been doing um, has been filled. Yeah, that's so, smart. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Um, this, this will tie in with my testimony too. So before I got to this church, there is a guy here named Gabi Plesh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, Gabi was doing all the things I'm doing times 100. He was involved in youth ministry. He was preaching. He was helping. He was doing outings. He was discipling. He was doing all these things, right? Um, in the mid-2010s, he, uh, he felt that it was time for him and his family to transition to Colorado and to move to Colorado. And God opened a door for him to go there, okay? 
in 2016, the Lord saved my life, and I came into Emmanuel Church. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a little bit, how, how that happened. But over the years, I started to grow in the Lord and grow in the Spirit, and I started to implement myself in the youth because this is where I believe God put me, and mm-hmm. He made it natural and organic, <clears throat> and here we are today, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I ran into Gabi a couple years ago. He was visiting our church. And I was never close to Gabi. I didn't know the guy. I wasn't here when he was here. Mm-hmm. But he gave me a hug after service, and he said, I've heard everything that you're doing here, and I just want to thank you for everything you, you've been doing. Because when God called me to Colorado, I prayed, and God confirmed to me that he would bring someone in to fill my spot. Mm-hmm. And I like I never thought about that. I was like, you know, even the story of my salvation, being saved at the right time yeah. to yeah. come in at that transition of Gabi's leaving mm-hmm. was all part of God's orchestration and plan. God is a master chess player. He has checkmate before he even sits down. He sees 50 things ahead. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's that's number one. Make sure you've done all that you can do in your current church. You've given it your all. You gave 110%. You know you're not leaving on bad blood. And number two, um, is there someone to f- like fill the place that you are about to leave? Right. Um, there are a couple questions to ask yourself. Do you want to leave the church because someone in the church hurt you? If that's the case, don't leave. First Peter three nine. We never respond with evil with evil. Right. Do you want to leave the church because you don't agree with the leaders? No, don't leave. Romans thirteen one. You submit to the authority that God put because those in authority have been placed there by God. Mm-hmm. Do you want to leave because you don't like the style of the worship or the word? No, you don't leave. First Corinthians nine nineteen to twenty one. We're all different parts of the body, and just because we don't like what the arm does doesn't mean we're all arms. Mm-hmm. We have to unite as one complete body. Now, let's look at it from a positive aspect. Um, how I can sense that the Lord is leading me in a correct manner to, to transition out. Do you sense a need to leave because you aren't being utilized for the kingdom or there's no place for you to serve? Then pray about leaving. First Corinthians twelve eighteen to 22. Again, we've all been given a gift. And if you don't have a place to utilize your gift, then maybe the Lord's calling you somewhere else. Um, number two. Do you sense a need to leave because there's a different calling or open door for you to serve in another place? Maybe the Lord's pressing on your heart, hey, I really want you to go to this place because they're lacking something and I want to use you there. Um, pray about leaving. That's 1 Corinthians 16.9. Paul says, I see a wide open door to leave. I see a wide open door to visit you. I want to go. I see yeah. that, that God's moving. Number three, do you sense a need to leave because you are planning to get married and your situa- situation might require you to relocate. Then again, you, you don't just bounce just because that's coming up. Mm-hmm. You pray about leaving, right? The example yeah. of Genesis 2 or Ephesians 5. A man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, which again indicates season. So those are a couple things that you got to look at when you're looking at a transition so it's healthy, so it's fruitful, so that you don't leave on bad blood. But you have to make sure that you've given it, you're 100%, that you know if you look back, you have no regret, you didn't leave anything undone, unfinished, you've asked God to fill your spot, you've raised some people to take your place, God's given you peace, and you're not leaving just because someone offended you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm going to go back to one thing that you said um, about not leaving because you don't agree with your leaders. Mm-hmm. Now, some people I have heard said, you know, I tried to submit i tried to agree i tried to understand where they're coming from and i just couldn't so in that case if there's something that you believe even let's say from a theological point of view or something that isn't right is it okay to leave um there's something called adiaphora in the term of it's one of the terms for uh, theology which basically means this that there are certain things that the bible doesn't necessarily say yes to or no to Mm -hmm. in regards to salvation so we got a couple doctrines is jesus the only way to god yes did he die and rise uh, rise again from the uh, from the dead on the third day for our sins yes are we saved by faith alone through grace alone in christ yes those are things that we should not argue about if we do and your leaders say otherwise you have every right to leave Mm-hmm. That church is not operating from scripture. Now, let's say you don't agree and you don't think that people um, have gifts of the spirit. Let's just mm-hmm. jump there. You know, those gifts ceased. But your your church emphasizes that, no, they didn't cease. They still operate and they're still well and functional. Now, this is a topic that's not neither 
you know, it's not going to cause an eternal jurisdiction on your soul. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things in life where you might not agree 100% with your leaders, but the main thing to look at is it, is it according to the scripture? Are they arguing against the scripture? Is what they're teaching contrary to scripture? If that's the case, you have every right to leave. And if not, you can still leave if the Holy Spirit lets you. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't know how else to say it. Like all these things that were mentioned, the best way to know if you should leave a place is your own prayer time with God. Yeah. If you, again, are in a place of just, man, I'm upset. I'm disturbed. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like this is going on. It doesn't seem like it would be a peaceful way to transition out. Now, if God says, hey, the door's closing for you here, and he opens up doors elsewhere, I think that transition's a little bit more fruitful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I think it's really hard when you're in that, like, frustrated mindset of, oh, this is going wrong. Like, I hate yeah. this. Like, to just leave. Like, it seems so easy. But we were talking to Eddie a while ago, and he was saying that only God knows what a church looks like down, like before you get mm-hmm. into it, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, down the line, you never know when you step into a church what problems are going to come up, and you're only going to see them when you're there. So instead of just yeah. moving to try to find that church, you know, pray about it because God knows why you're at the church you're at. So Yeah, I'm and even, even this weekend from the, um, the marriage conference, if you guys were here, he said some people try to solve their marriage by having a child. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. But he said a child's a problem, and I don't, <clears throat> one problem's not going to solve another problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, you can look, the, look at the scriptural example of uh, King Saul and David. David had many opportunities to kill Saul. We all know that. He could have ended his suffering, ended his running away from, uh, from his enemies. He could have stopped striving, right? right? And he even got to Saul and cut a piece of his robe and said, look, I had the chance to kill you, and I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And his, his, his uh, partners even said, take his life. And he said, I dare not touch the chosen one of the Lord because the Lord told him not to do it. Yeah. So again, you might not agree with everything going on, but if the Lord doesn't speak to you and give you permission and open a door for you to transfer out, I don't see scripturally for you to be able to do that. Right. Um, even says, be, be stable where God has placed you. In a sense, like be where you're, where God has placed you to serve, serve there until something else transitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, if you don't mind, can you share a little bit of the story of how you um, ended up at Emmanuel? <laughs> sure. This one's a little complicated. And we all know those people that have been to every church, and I'm I'm probably one of those people. Um, I grew up in uh, in Bethel for 14 years. Uh, before I even get into the story, I want nothing but good to be said about Bethel, New Hope, Agape, whatever church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God bless them because every church is doing something fruitful for the kingdom of God. Yes. yes. Um, so I have, I have nothing against any church. Uh, so I grew up in that church for 14 years, after which New Hope opened up, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And I transitioned to New Hope. I, I kind of went off of that basis. I saw that I have some gifts, and I saw that I can utilize them in that church. So I went mm-hmm. to New Hope. Um, and New Hope was my home church for six to seven years and that's where i felt like i was joseph i was learning administration i was learning how to lead worship i was learning the word i was learning mm-hmm. how to communicate with people i felt like that was my a playground in a sense that developed me right yeah. um but at the same time i also was naive and young and i i made mistakes and that's where i kind of started um kind of walking away from the lord i had questions uh, that I couldn't understand. Friends started drinking, and I just participated in things that weren't weren't well. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain point, that church kind of split again. And what hurt me the most was that people that I grew up with the most weren't in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. People you did life with, right? The fellowship aspect that we that we hit earlier on. And I was I was confused because my identity was in a church, not in God. Yeah. So at that point, I I thought, okay, well, if the Lord allowed this to happen, He controls all things. He's just messing with me. He wants us to go through pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I said, you know what? If that's the case, I don't want to be part of church. I don't want to be part of God because I just see like I don't have a place. But while I was still at um, New Hope, I also came to Emmanuel when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I was filled with the Spirit of God. I was baptized in this church, and I was so confused about where to stay, what to do. Ended up going back to New Hope, and then after that split, I left New Hope as well. Now, what do I do after I left New Hope? Because I didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. My parents were like, great opportunity. Come to Agape. <laughs> we're here. And I went naturally to Agape. And I stayed there about three or four months. 
about three months, I got involved in worship, but I just didn't feel peace about this is where I'm supposed to be settling. Mm -hmm. And again, because of all those problems and my questions towards God and my hurt towards God and not feeling um, a connection to a specific place, I just decided to leave the church in general. I wanted nothing to do with the church. So I resorted to alcohol and marijuana. Those were my gods and my churches for a couple of years. I numbed myself through all of that. But the funny thing is that even while I was lost and even while I was broken, God still spoke to me. Mm. So I remember, uh, this is my viewer discretion, <laughs> listener discretion. I was high one day. I'm just being open. We're being open yeah, here, right? Yeah. God saved me from a lot of things. But I was high one day. And I remember while I was in the house with my friends hanging out, I was high. And the Lord gave me like a Saul experience. I had like a vision while I was messed up. Mm-hmm. Oh. And my vision was, I saw myself preaching on stage at Emmanuel Church to a crowd of youth. Wow. And in my head, I was thinking, man, this is some really strong weed. I got to stop smoking. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. I was like, man, I'm tripping out. What am I seeing? Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it or phase it or anything after that. About a year and a half passes by. The Lord radically saves me. I cried out to him. He saved my life from everything. He delivered me from everything. Praise God. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, what do I do? Where do I go? Where mm-hmm. am I supposed to go? Yeah. I don't know. I've already tried it all. And that vision came back to my mind. Mm-hmm. And it was as if the Lord was prefacing me, preparing me, reminding me ahead of time, this is where you're called to serve. Mm-hmm. So when I got radically saved, I remember that vision from a year ago. I went to Emmanuel. And not to say that everything was butterflies and rainbows when I got here. It really wasn't. Um, in fact, it was far from that. My best friends for the first two years were old grandmas and mothers at the prayer room because it was very clicky. Um, again, listeners, there's no perfect church. If you think God's going to yeah. send you to a perfect church, you're kidding yourself. God yeah. sends you places to be an impact and a change for the church that needs to be changed. Yes. He uses you as a vessel. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was in the prayer room one time by myself because I didn't do anything. I I had no one to hang out with. So God was my best friend. And I was there and I was like, this is my exact prayer. I love you, Manuel, but I'll still say it. I was like, Lord, why did you bring me to such a crappy church? This is the way I was thinking. Mm -hmm. People are clicky. There's no good friends here. Everyone's butting heads. I have no one I can connect to. You showed me this vision, but I'm at the soundboard doing nothing. No one knows me. And I'm like, why did you bring me here? And I remember being still in the presence of the Lord, and he spoke to me, and he said, are you a Seahawks fan? At the time, this is when the Seahawks were winning the Super Bowl all the time. I don't know if you guys remember. Everyone was a Seahawks fan. Nope. Okay, anyway, maybe we'll do that with uh, podcasters who are men sometimes. (laughs) But the Seahawks were a good football team. And everyone was bandwagoning and joining them as fans, right? Mm -hmm. And the Lord's like, are you a Seahawks fan? I said, no, I'm not can't stand them everyone's a fan of them and the lord's like why well now they're doing good so everyone wants to be part of their team Mm -hmm. and the lord's exactly i didn't bring you to a perfectly successful church so you can throw on a seahawks jersey Mm -hmm. i brought you somewhere that seemed like it needed issues to be resolved and you to be part of that Mm -hmm. because i wanted to use you to make it better well and i wanted to use you to impact that place so that you don't come here and just say, I came to something that's great, but you were part of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God, God really opened up my eyes to that, that. And maybe this is for the listeners. The church that you go to doesn't have all the answers, but maybe God wants you there to be the impact for the place that has the biggest lack. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to your gifts, right? What is my gift? Maybe the gift that God gave you is the one that that church is lacking. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, and as I was prepping for this uh, podcast this morning, I came to Esther 4. And if you know the story of Esther, she was placed as queen during a, a really bad time. Mm-hmm. Israel was basically about to be wiped out. All the Jews were about to be wiped out. Mm-hmm. And her cousin Mordecai comes to her and says this in, in Esther 4.14. He says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will still die. So he's basically telling her, you better act, do something. God put you as a queen right now for a reason. Talk to the king. And he finishes the verse with this. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what God does. God brings you in certain places for such a time as this to be an answer for someone's prayer, to to be a gift that helps someone encouraged, to to build someone up. 
to see the things in you that, that aren't good or wasn't good for you growing up and to help someone else not go through the same thing. Yeah. God chooses to use vessels for imperfect places at all times. We don't know why. Um, yeah. But that's part of my story, how I ended up here. And again, the church isn't perfect. And I'm not saying what I've done is like, oh, look what he's done. No. I've simply been part of the vessel or a vessel for the Lord to be used for his kingdom, for his glory, for a church that still needs a lot of work. Hmm. And I want to emphasize yeah. that our church is not perfect. There's a lot that still needs to change. Yeah. But I'm happy yeah. to be part of a team that's ongoing sanctification, <laughs> mm-hmm. being more in the likeness of Christ, exemplifying him with people who see the same thing. Yeah. That's good. Um, so you mentioned in your testimony that your parents go to Agape mm-hmm. and you come to Emmanuel. Um, how does that work out? Yeah, how does that work out? Right, it's strange. My parents go to Agape and my sister goes to an American church. My other sister works with Muslims in a different place and I'm at Emmanuel. <laughs> and people are like, you guys are such a dysfunctional family. But it works so easily and so well for us. And I'll tell you why. Because dad and mom, from the very beginning, their primary goal was not for us to all be in the same place and force you to praise God. Mm-hmm. Their primary goal was, is my child implemented in serving God and are they growing in relationship with him? Yeah. Whether that's a black church, Hispanic church, manual church, whatever it is, they never forced us and said, you better come to this church with us. Mm-hmm. And right. I think me and my sister were, were kind of the black sheeps of the family. And I think once they saw how far away we were from God, they re- realized, I'd rather have them in any church than to have them in no church at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you start looking at it and you're like, well, my, you know, my, uh, what I want in that person, it's going to go way down. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just have them being with the Lord. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that was something that really encouraged us. And from when we were kids, when I, when I asked them, I was 14, I couldn't even drive. <laughs> I said, mom, I want to go to New Hope. You know, I want to, I want to start going there. And she saw that the first week I went, I was on, bass guitar and I was helping him stuff and she was pumped and she was like you know what wherever my kids are gonna grow I'm gonna take them there yeah so they kind of set the standard for for us and now what's cool about it is like I've been here for six years I think dad's asked me once hey are you ever gonna come like agape is that your home church and I said no never talked about it again Mm -hmm. they've understand to respect that God has called me here um and it works. I, I know where I'm supposed to be. They know where they're supposed to be. I see the growth in my parents, what they're learning from the pastors and the church board there. Dad's always coming home happy. We talk about what we both learned at church that day. There's different st- circumstances for different people. Yeah. Um, and if you have to go back to question two, right? What, what are the qualities of a church? Again, Agape is where my mom and dad found community. That's where they found friends. That's where they found implication. Mm-hmm. That's where they have opportunity to serve. When I got saved... This is where I found opportunity to serve. This is where I found friends and community, even though it might have taken a while, you know. So um, coming back to that, once you realize, hey, I just want that person to grow, it's it's a lot easier. And I show them support from time to time going to Agape. I'm there for Mother's Days and Father's Days and mm-hmm. events. And they come when I preach or something going on here, and people are like, oh, are you coming to our church now? And we're both <laughs> like, no. <laughs> you know, but we, we support each other, and we love each other, and we love Emmanuel, and we both love Agape. It's awesome. Yeah, um, my parents go to New Hope currently, so I relate to that. And it works out really well, but for some people, um, moving to a different church can mean parents disapproving of that or even friends, like your previous community from your old church. So how would you say you deal with disapproval, whether it be from parents or backlash from friends, all that negativity? (laughs) (laughs) This is the fun one, right? Um, You won't always be able to deal with it. Backlash will come, disapproval will come, but most importantly is what did the Lord tell you? Mm-hmm. And if you're rooted and solid in that, nothing can change you. Um, let's look at two examples. Moses had understanding parents, okay? When Moses was born and there's um, destruction of all the boys in, in mm-hmm. the country going on, everyone was being killed, right? Yeah. What did his parents do? They said, we see value in this boy. There's something special about him. Mm-hmm. They put him in a basket and sent him down river. Now, let's compare that to non-understanding parents like David. Okay, Samuel comes to anoint the next king in Jesse's home. Mm-hmm. Jesse brings out all his seven sons, the mighty guys, the biggest guys, the bravest guys, the best-looking guys, right? One by one, they're rejected. And then Samuel's like, do you have anyone else in your family? He's like, well, I got this little shepherd boy. No one really cares about him. He's, <laughs> he's mending to the sheep. What about him? 
-hmm. bring them in. That's the one. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be parents that understand and see something uh, something valuable in a child and some people that just don't or see differently. Um, So you have to understand that some parents will be understanding and friends and some won't be. But your responsibility in your transition or whatever you're doing is to exemplify the Lord through the fruit of the Spirit in all you do in work and deed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I claim that God has called me to a church and I'm screaming and yelling at my friends and my parents, trying to convince them and arguing with them, that doesn't show patience, that doesn't show kindness, that doesn't show love. You're not exemplifying the Lord correctly. If you claim something is from God but your lifestyle does not prove it, you're wasting your time. Um, and let me give you an example. I, I think the biggest thing, like we mentioned, is being rooted in what the Lord spoke to you through the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. In Acts 20, verse 22, Paul says, Now I am bound by the Spirit, or compelled in other translations, to go to Jerusalem. And I don't know what awaits me, but all I know is that I will, I will be suffering and in hardship. Paul says this. Yeah. I know, I feel something binding my spirit that I need to go to Jerusalem. Okay. Many times we, we know the Lord speaks to us. Like I had that vision and I knew that I knew that I had to come here. That was where I, even though things didn't look perfect, right? Sometimes we know that God is telling us to do something. But then you'll have people like in Acts 21, 12 to 14, people who still love Paul, who said, when we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Yeah. But he said, why are, are all you weeping? You are breaking my heart. I'm ready not only to be jailed in Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. And this is the response. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. At a certain point, even your best friends, your loved ones, your family, people might not agree with what, what, what God told you. But if you are rooted in it, like Paul said, I am bound by the Spirit. I know that the Spirit told me to go to Jerusalem. If you know that the the Spirit told you to move to Arizona, the Spirit told you, you know for a fact, move to Emmanuel, serve here. Spirit told you, move to this American community and serve them. Then you have to do what God tells you to do. Um, And just a reminder of this is in Matthew 10.37, Jesus says, If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Sometimes Jesus, I know this is referring to salvation and just giving everything to God. But sometimes that means even in in disagreement of churches or disagreement of where you're called. I might not always agree with my father and mother. I might not always agree with my son and my daughter. But I have to do what God tells me to do. Yeah, and um, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the fruit of the Spirit. I've heard a lot of stories we both, um, Jen, when we were talking to some people that went through a similar move Mm -hmm. like us they said oh my parents didn't agree at the time but then they saw how much I grew or my friends realized later on oh this Mm -hmm. was the place for you you know so just as an encouragement to anyone within that situation you know maybe you're in that season to be stretched and then you know you'll find a new community or your old friends or your friends from not your old friends but you know maybe they'll realize later on so and again it comes back to what is the fruit of the spirit if i if i exemplify even where god calls me to be that i'm growing in love growing in patience growing Mm -hmm. in gentleness faithfulness kindness then there's nothing that can be said right yeah Yeah. um so you mentioned how you've tried out like most of the churches in this area (laughs) um does okay does that mean you're church hopping because we know, like, hmm, it's not yeah, so great to church hop, but... So are you saying, like, kinda... it, if you visit other churches, is that considered church hopping? Yeah. It, it depends to what extent, mm-hmm. okay? Right. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.19, I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. In 1 Corinthians 16.7, he says, For I do not, um, I do not want, uh, want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend time with you if the Lord permits Paul wants to visit other churches. Mm-hmm. Paul established other churches. Paul was integrated with other churches. So there's a time and a place to visit. There's a time and a place to be plugged in. Like I right. mentioned, there's moments where I, I go to Agape to visit my parents, friends there, people I grew up with at New Hope. It's a blend all over. Mm-hmm. And I have no resentment or no bitterness towards anyone. It's, it's a fruitful time. Yeah. But there are also times, not in just visitation, 
where you have to learn to be implemented. You have to learn to be rooted in a certain place. So let me, let me bring up Acts 18, verse 7 through 11. Um, then he left and went to the home of uh, Tadius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. And many others in Corinth also heard Paul, um, became believers, and were baptized. And one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and said, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. I am with you, and no one will attack you and harm you, for my people in the city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. So there is a perfect time and a place, like we learn in Ecclesiastes, season to visit, a season to check things out, a season to fellowship with people. But there's a season like Paul where you get implemented and rooted for, quote unquote, a year and a half. There is a place that needs to become a home church where you can implement your gifts and implement the things that God has given you. So in Hebrews 10.25, the author says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some people are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other, uh, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, don't be on your own. In other words, don't stray away from people. You need community and you need to encourage each other as a body. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people church hop to avoid getting too deeply involved with any one congregation, which we've all seen, right? Yeah. But that defeats the purpose of the body of Christ, which is, as Hebrews notes, to encourage one another. And we can't encourage those who don't spend time with us. We can't encourage those who we don't get time to know. Mm-hmm. And nor can we be encouraged by other Christians if they're complete strangers to us. So the Bible uh, in Hebrews, Paul through Acts, it shows us that there are moments where we need to get integrated, build a relationship, um, utilize our gifts, and that's only done through an extensive period of time. So you can visit churches and not be a church hopper as long as you have a place that you're rooted and solid in giving your all to serve the Lord with the gifts that he has given you. Yeah. All right. Um, let's, I guess, close things off with one final question. So you know the Lord is calling you to a new church. You are trying to transition over. How do you leave your old church peacefully? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, when I left New Hope, I did not leave peacefully. I was a naive teenager Um <laughs> who thought I knew everything. And if I can go back and do it all over again, I would. Um, I just showed up one day, told the leaders I'm bouncing, left, and I was so proud. Um, but I look back and I see how foolish it was. Um, there are certain things that you got to look at when you're transitioning. Um, number one, Romans twelve eighteen, Paul says, do everything that you can to live in peace with everyone. First and foremost, I don't leave on bad terms. I don't leave on bad blood. Mm-hmm. I've done all that I could to be at peace with everyone I'm transitioning out with. Right. Um, you know, that means letting the pastors know your thoughts um, and just communicating. Ephesians 4 verse 2 and 3 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. So we make every effort to keep ourselves together. Now, when we transition, hopefully we can do it on good terms. And if we do so, I'll give you um, three tips of how to transition out of your church well. Number one is to communicate well. You take all the preliminary steps and you make sure you've done your part to leave on good terms, which means every good relationship stems from good communication. Mm -hmm. And if you believe the Lord is calling you elsewhere or telling you to transition out, Make sure you're discussing this with people you trust, your family, the elders, and pastors. For example, if you feel like the Lord is leading you to move churches, then share with your pastor or youth pastor what you feel the Lord is telling you and ask him to pray with you and to fast with you in seeking the Lord's guidance. I don't think any pastor will say you're hearing from the devil. He will say, I want to pray with you about this and let's see what the Lord shows you, right? Mm -hmm. So you communicate well. Let people know your intentions. Number two, you give a notice. So um, if your spot is already filled, like we mentioned earlier, and someone's able to fill that spot, or God has promised you and spoke to you that a spot is going to be filled, um, does someone need to step in for you? That's another thing. Like you got to make sure, is someone there to step in? 
Uh, you have to give a notice and let people know what's going on. Like, hey, I'm planning to transition out in the next few months. I'm currently serving here. I'm working to build up someone to take my spot as I transition out mm -hmm. so that someone is there. Again, the example of Paul, right? Titus, Barnabas, uh, he had uh, Timothy. He had certain people that were ready to take the baton. And number three is you ask for a blessing. If possible, if you're on good terms with your church um, and in the transition, ask the church to give you a proper farewell by covering and praying as a body before you leave. Um, and I know every circumstance differs. Sometimes you can't always do that. Um, the situation is different, whether mm -hmm. you're moving to be a missionary or, you know, you just feel God's calling you to another church. You might not get that blessing from some people. Um, but if your church does not approve and you know that God has clearly spoken to you and confirmed it, you still communicate, you still give notice, and you leave when you see the door um, for that place is closed and the new has opened. Uh, you make sure to communicate that you are not bashing or trashing the church you left from, you're leaving on good terms, you're leaving on good notes, and you leave with peace, knowing that you've done everything you can to be at peace with everyone, like we read earlier, yeah. at least from your end. So those are the okay. three things I would say to transition well, is communicate well, mm -hmm. give a notice, and ask for blessing. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, Andrew, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, we learned a lot, and we hope this episode blessed anyone that's in this situation, mm -hmm. answered any questions y'all might have had if you find yourselves in a season of life where God is calling you to a different church. So with that being said, be sure to tune in next week. We're talking about finding the balance between ministry and other aspects of life, and you guys don't want to miss out. This episode, along with others, is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our Instagram page at Daring Faith. That's where we'll post all our announcements and updates. And if you guys have topic and guest suggestions, want to share feedback with us, or want to personally connect with us, never hesitate to reach out. We appreciate you all. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.